Welcome to Be Fearlessly Authentic. Here, we talk about being fully alive in our faith, life, and purpose. Join us for conversations that will challenge you to get real honest with yourself and others. This is the time to face your most audacious desires and find the courage to be fully you as you chase dreams and navigate the mess and meaning of everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to Be Fearlessly Authentic and happy February 1st. Today is the first day of February, which means we have made it one whole month in Be Fearlessly Authentic, um, which means, I mean, we have some noodles stuck to the wall at this point, um, which is very exciting. I'm sure some other things have fallen off. Stephanie and I uh, should probably look and see what noodles fell off. Um, if you see any that fell off, comment that, let us know. Um, but being February 1st, something that we think is very important, that is very important to Stephanie and I, is recognizing that this is the first day of Black History Month. And so we are going to dive into that the rest of February. So the next couple of episodes, we are going to be talking to some of our friends who are Black. Um, we're going to be talking about what it is to be white women, um, talking about racial reconciliation. Um, and so really excited about diving into that. But today, Steph, we're talking about something else. Yes, it is also, as some may know in the church, what we call kind of cringeworthy love month. <laughs> yes, I do cringe at that a little bit, but it also is a super important conversation. So we thought today we would talk about some misconceptions of love, dating, especially in the church. What does it look like to be single in 2021 as a Christian? all of those things. And so I'm pretty excited because we have our friend Dax on the call with us and he is going to bring some curiosities, some insight. We just wanted to get some different perspective. Um, we're also super excited to have the first guy joining us on yes. Be Fearlessly Authentic. So this is going to be really, really fun. And I thought the best way to get to know Andrea and Dax a little bit more in this context let our listeners get to know you a bit by describing how you would describe yourself on your dating profile. So if you have one, you could just read it off or maybe share some things you would change. How would you describe yourself with online dating? So I'll go first because Dax didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a and, great um, mm -hmm. And I literally want to throw up. <laughs> with having to share this right now. Um, but also Dax, just so you know, um, part of why I have an online dating profile is because of a video that you posted on YouTube uh, a while ago about um, Christians and online dating and should you do it. So it was definitely one of the last straws that broke the camel's back that made me be like, oh my gosh, I need to get over myself and just take this seriously and do it. Why not? Um, so that is part of why Dax is here. That's so exciting. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So, um, I hate this. I hate this so much. Um, I love this. <laughs> I know. Don't worry, Steph. We're going to throw it back at you. So normally on a dating profile, fun fact, I'm on both hinge and coffee meets bagel because we'll get into that later. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you always have to do like your work, your job title, um, your education experience, your hometown, where you currently live, your religious beliefs, all of that. <clears throat> But on Hinge, I love it because there's some other prompts um, like, 
the ones I've chosen are two truths and a lie and my best travel story and a typical Sunday. Cause that's my way of sliding in. I am a Christian and this is how serious I take my faith without being like, I'm by, I'm like going to like be a super Christian and be on Christian mingle. Cause I'm not going to be on Christian mingle. Um, so which, which of those questions do you want me to answer? Ooh, um, I like two truths and a lie. Yeah, same. Let's do that. Okay, great. Um, I actually am curious if you guys know this one. <clears throat> so my two truths and a lie is Robert Redford was my neighbor. Lauren Daigle was my roommate. And Robert Griffin III was my lab mate in college. Two truths so and a lie. Andrea's secretly famous and we just didn't know it. In, in three different ways, possibly. Yeah. Two different I just know famous people. I'm not famous. <laughs> oh man. I feel like, well, no, I don't want to sway you, Stephanie. I want to get this one right. So I don't want to, I don't want to help I, you out too much. I want to go with number three though. I don't know if RG3 was your lab partner. I've heard that. I'll go, I'll go with that too, because I know one of them is true. And so I'm not sure about three though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well done, you guys, you guys actually got it correct. Uh, um, no guy has gotten that correct yet. And I, I do think that part of it is because on your dating profile, like you say your education experience. And for me, it says Baylor, because that is where I got my undergrad. Um, but it doesn't say that I ever lived in Nashville, where I was roommates with Lauren Daigle. Um, and I don't know why, maybe people just don't know who Robert Redford is anymore. Um, for those listening that don't know who he is, probably Gen Z. Um, he's like the Brad Pitt or the Who's the current person? Oh my gosh, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth of um, the boomer generation. Oh. Or Gen X. So yeah. yeah I mean, Robert, to be honest. So Gen weren't Z. you weren't you also like in a writing circle or something with a country artist? That's oh a- yeah. I mean, when you live in Nashville, there's just <laughs> people everywhere all the time. I was in a Taylor Swift thing, you know. Casual. yeah it's fine but yeah so Robert and I were never lab partners but we did know each other and we hung out a lot at the gym so. interesting mm-hmm. wow cool okay Dax your turn uh okay so I did actually from that video the one you're talking about uh I did I I used one I think two dating apps one was like a Christian dating app can't remember what it was called but then also I did one that was non-Christian to see if still if I could meet people who are Christian, like on there, the pro and honestly, like I, I had no anxiety. And then you asked this question and all of a sudden, I don't like that. So that's a, it's a perfect question, but I, I don't know. I felt like kind of the same thing with, with you, Dre, I had to make it clear. I love Jesus. It's as simple as that. That has to be like, we're, we, we're not even going to talk if that's not a part of your life. Like that's just basic. Um, and then also I, I had some pictures specifically, I feel like the most intentional thing I had was like, I feel like the picture is going to, are going to explain my life the best. And so I used a lot of, I would say, honest, authentic pictures of kind of describing my weirdness or showing off. Like I had a picture of me, uh, or just straight up of my Crocs. Like I, I got a pair of Crocs. That's just, that says a lot about my personality. I don't know what it says, <laughs> probably more pushing people away than anything, but owned that. Also, I had pictures of me just like randomly sitting on a mountain with my hair just flowing in the wind. I'm like, yeah, I like, I like long hair. I've been growing my hair out. I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, so yeah, I don't know, stuff like that. I was like, I'm just gonna have really weird pictures. And if a girl is interested after those pics, 
we're good. We're, we're, we're onto something. So that's good. Um, question about the hair. Um, yeah, yeah. we'll post this on Instagram, but, uh, when was your last haircut? Okay. Does a trim count? Does our no. hair cut? Oh, well, yeah, kind of. Then I would say at last like full haircut was, um, I want to say November or December of 2019. So it's been, yeah, it's been a while. I still feel like my hair should be even longer for that I distance. See. But yeah, I've just, it's been, it's going and I'm not stopping anytime soon. I'm loving it. So this is not a COVID thing. This was like this a pre-COVID, I'm growing yeah. out my hair thing. I was literally thinking the other day, if people ask, yeah, if people say like, oh, so you're one of those COVID long hair people. No, no, <laughs> I was growing it up before them. Okay. You're hipster. <laughs> Okay. So, um, Stephanie, we have to bring you in on the fun. Um, and you are married. Um, and so I'm curious, how would your husband describe you? Like, what would he put as your bio? Um, (laughs) I don't know, honestly, I think, uh, he'd probably say I'm weird. (laughs) Um, that I am passionate. I like to write um, long walks on the beach. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. I don't know. I, it is funny though. We did for one of my bridal showers, we did one of those games where like people have to guess what Jared would say about me. And there was a word. How would you describe Stephanie in a word? And so everyone's guessing all these things and I didn't guess right either. He said soft, which I'm like, what? (laughs) But if you know him, you know that he likes really soft things like soft pillows, blankets. And he says my hair is really soft, which is why he's sad every time I get my hair cut. Um, But he also said like that about my personality. And I was like, "Uh, are you sure about that? But that was before marriage. So he didn't really know. just kidding but yeah I don't know those are a few things I guess interesting interesting I love it soft that's that's also super that's why I was super curious too about talking about romance with you two specifically because like were you married Stephanie at at 22 I don't know why that comes to mind um I was 21 almost 22 okay and then Dre as far as I know you weren't married at 21 No, my mother was, which gave me all sorts of expectations that I did not realize that I therefore should be also married at 21. And so when I hit 21 at a private Christian school, when ring by spring is a thing, you know, I had a little freak out and then I was like, nah, actually I'm good. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Okay. But that brings up a good point. So for everyone listening and me, I'm curious, um, on a dating profile, you put your age, um, your gender, what you are looking for, um, and your relational status. So, um, I will go first. Uh, I am 31. I am female. I am single and I'm looking to date. Stephanie. I am, what was it? Age? Gosh, I can't even remember the questions. (laughs) Um, I am 25. I have been married for almost four years this month. Um, what was the other question? Your gender and what you're looking for. Oh, I'm female. Um, and I'm looking for my husband. 
<laughs> everything that he is <laughs> it's a tricky question when you're married but I think honestly like I mean I could even say this this is true now and it was true then like a best friend just mm-hmm. someone to have fun with laugh with but also be able to be real with so you did say this is what you'd put on a dating profile mm-hmm. actually I I did lie on the second one about my age so that <gasps> is, I, Truth comes so, out <laughs> I am 22. On the second profile I made, I said 24. And I was with some people and we were like, let's just say 24. I seem a little bit older. Um, so 22, male, single. And I would say, I would say open to dating. I do think it should be more looking. That's kind of a balance I'm trying to figure out right now, but I, definitely open. That's what I'd say. Okay, interesting. Okay, now I'm curious. Why did you lie and say that you were older? Yeah, well, I was like, we were trying to get into the minds of, of mm-hmm. dating apps. And I was like, one thing is like, I'm 21. And I feel like that seems kind of low. Like if someone's 24, 25, but also people say that I act and seem 24, 25. So I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. I'll just say that. But then also I imagined, you know, what if we actually go out and then I have to say, also, I lied about that one thing and then starting the relationship out for the lie. Not great. So yeah. No, no. But I do agree. I think that you do definitely present more mid twenties. Um, but also, I mean, if you were actually taking it seriously, normally you put an age range of like what you're looking for. Um, oh. and so you would have been, yeah, cut out of a lot of people's spaces that yeah. maybe you would have wanted to match with. So exactly. interesting. <laughs> um, well, I think it'd be really interesting to find out, especially we're all Christians. Um, we all have different experiences in the church and with dating. Um, but there's a lot of expectation on Christians when it comes to who you date, when you date, when you get married, what even is the end goal, um, all of that. And I thought it'd be really interesting to see the different perspectives. What do you feel is the biggest expectation on you as a single Christian? That's a great question. Uh, I, I can go first. I think I think the biggest expectation um, on me right now in my, again, 22 years old single is kind of this almost the ring by spring idea that you were, that you mentioned, Dre, like, I feel like I'm finishing, I'll probably finish my undergrad this year toward the end of this year. And so it feels like there is some sort of time limit um, within the next like year, year and my half or year and a half. And also from where I'm at right now, I just had a friend who was uh, just got married. He was 21. And then I have another friend who's getting married in a couple months and he's 22. And so that just adds to this, like, huh, so what am I, what do I kind of do with all this free time? And I'm not totally sure. So yeah, I would just say the general pressure of, of stepping into that, but. Oh, Dax, this is why we had you on. My goodness. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And I actually, something that I want to point out is I think that that is very interesting as females and males within the white evangelical church. I'm only going to speak for the white evangelical church because that's currently what we're representing in this episode, um, is that there is this, I think you and I maybe might be at the same stage as singles, but at different ages, because for a guy, it is early twenties where you're like, oh crap, everyone around me is coupled, coupling up like it's musical chairs and there's not really any chairs left. And then for girls, it's late twenties, early thirties, where it's like, oh crap, what do I do? Um, so I just want to point that out as something I think is very interesting to me. Um, and the expectations I feel like I have, it's changed as I've gotten older. 
Um, like, I feel like I had a lot more freedom as a single female in the church um, up until my mid twenties. Then all of a sudden I started to notice the shift. Like I said, as I got into my late twenties and now that I'm in my thirties of um, very well-intentioned, loving questions of like, how are you still single? Why are you still single? And I'm like, these are great questions you want to pray about and ask God, I'd love the answer too. Um, but I also think that there is this other expectation of like, and you also kind of just said this stacks, like you have more free time. So why aren't you using it to, for the Lord and serving in the church? Like you should be in kids ministry and student ministry and greeting. And like, you should be in five small groups and all of these different things. Um, which I just think is fascinating. Um, and this isn't an expectation, but you know, fearlessly authentic, uh, I also feel um, like I'm not an adult yet because I'm not married at least and not I feel that way. Well, yes, I do. Let's be honest. I feel like I'm still 22 in my head, um, but I feel that from the church is until I'm married, I I am not a grown up. Yeah, Dax, do I, you feel that as a guy? I do. Yes. And that was actually going to be uh, something that I was curious about, even with, with Stephanie too, of like, did you feel a different level of, of respect and even opportunity? Cause I do feel like I've missed out on even actually someone literally told me this of like Dax, someone probably isn't going to hand this sort of whole ministry to someone who is single. And of course there's more details in that. But after that, I was like, dang, yeah, that's, that feels true. So. Yeah. I have heard that as well. So, yeah. I, yeah. So since I got married so young, um, for, this is just an instance when this happened a lot is I don't get carded at restaurants a lot when I'm with Jared, um, and they can see my ring and like, it's a very interesting thing when I'm not with him. Like when I'm just out with the girls, I do get carded, um, more often. And so that even just not in the church, I think is something that the world just sees like, oh, well, you must be older if you're married. (laughs) Um, which I think generally makes sense, but it doesn't mean that I'm any more responsible just because I've hitched myself to another person. So, but I definitely do think that's a very common expectation or stereotype that's kind of messy. With that, you know, there is kind of this idea, and I don't know that this is like relegated just to the church, But um, something I do see, and this is my stance, this is my opinion, is I think the American church has an idol of marriage and having children. Um, And so, and part of the fruit of that idol is that we see this, you've crossed the finish line when you get married. So Stephanie, as the person in this conversation that has crossed the finish line, do you feel like you've crossed that finish line? Is, was that something that you felt? And like, what is it like to be on the other side? Yeah, I think that's a really funny statement. Um, I I think in one way I, I did feel that because I grew up in a very just, I wouldn't say like overly sheltered home, but sheltered enough um, in a Christian home. And so when I got married, the door was wide open and I had all this freedom to make my own decisions and to be as independent as I wanted to be, you know, with obviously natural parental concerns and worries as it comes. But um, that really felt like, oh, wow, I've kind of made it because no one is 
asking when time I'm going to be home. Um, you know, and it's just me and my husband making these decisions together. Um, but the second we were married or even before we actually got married, it was always the next finish line, which is when are you going to have kids? Um, I don't know what the next finish line after that would be like, I guess, grandkids eventually, but like, it feels like everything in our lives revolves around our relational status (laughs) and whether that's you're married, you have kids, grandkids, instead of everything else that you're actually pursuing in life, which for me, I'm not pursuing kids. So I'm like, I have so many other things going on. Um, but again, it's just like, just because you finish one expectation and you get through that doesn't mean there's not another one coming. So Hmm. that's a great point. I like, I just want to kind of add to that. I feel like, uh, I was like kind of debating with myself, the idea of making kind of like a video about singleness. Cause I feel like a lot of people give great advice about singleness, but I feel like something that is just interesting is I feel like no matter what season we're in, there's always a rush to get to the next season. So it would be just discontentment in that, but yeah, there's always that one line, then there's another line, a next line, a next line. And so maybe that's the, the American thing you mentioned is like, we always just want to keep achieving and going to the next goal, the next thing. And so yeah, it'd be weird to think like, okay, now I'm, I'm done in some sense. Cause it's like, you're never going to feel that you're never going to feel like it's completely accomplished. And so that constant rush and anxiety and that, that pressure being put on younger people who are single, it's, it's kind of this like lie that all that will just go away once you cross over a certain thing. So that's, that's a great point. And, and that's probably why so many marriages start failing so soon because they think, oh, I finally made it that's it. I can just chill and relax. And that's not the reality of humanity. Like (laughs) we're constantly changing, growing. Well, you should be at least. Um, And so your relationship should be as well. And if you just think, oh, I crossed that finish line, I'm good. Or even I crossed this finish line. So now I'm the next goal is kids. And that's all you're focusing on. Then that's where relationships just start to tumble because you're not actually caring about the growth of you and your hopefully best friend. (laughs) It's interesting. I um, was listening. I wasn't reading. Sometimes I just listen to the Bible app. Um, And I was in first Corinthians because first Corinthians has a lot to say about love. Um, Both agape love as well as relational love Um, and specifically first Corinthians six and seven. And to your point, Dax, uh, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth being like, Hey, wherever you're at is exactly where God has you. And like, don't be wanting the next thing until God gives it to you because like God is, does not have you in your relational season status by accident. Um, but it is really hard in the 21st century with social media and hashtag relational goals. Um, and I will also just address it's been a total mind shift and really helpful for me going from living in the suburbs um, to living in a city because I was one of the few of my friends that was still single when I was living in the suburbs, whereas now living in the city, 60% of my church is single. Um, And so it's like literally flip-flopped. And I will just say like, it makes it a lot easier to be content being single living in Chicago 
but not everyone gets to move to Chicago or to a city. Um, and also there's fertility issues for, you know, the other stages and the other finish lines, like stuff you, you aren't seeking kids. Um, but there are married couples that are, and, you know, I, I love what Paul has to say because man, we need truth. Um, because if you're anything like me, like your feelings are big, um, and like to speak loudly, but it doesn't mean that it's easy to be content in the season that you're in. What, what would you say is, um, this might be kind of twofold. What is the hardest part about being single in our current context, being Christian in 2021, obviously COVID makes things difficult too. Um, and what is something that you've found joy in being single in this season? I would say, let's be honest, uh, meeting people is really hard. Like, yes, I moved to Chicago where there is literally 2 million people in the city of Chicago. Um, but you can't just run into them at the gym or a restaurant or church, um, where every Christian dreams of meeting their spouse. Um, and so that just like makes it really hard, which was another reason why I was like, you know what, I might as well get online because this is the way to date, um, in 2020 and 2021. Um, so that's really hard. And I also think that it's really hard because we have so many voices telling us, um, what it means to be single, how to find a partner, um, what marriage is supposed to look like, all these different things. Like I'm a product of the Disney generation. And so it taught me to be a damsel in distress and, um, if you know me, I'm not really a damsel. Um, and so therefore there is like some stuff that's like, well, then you're never going to get in a relationship because you're too, like, I've literally been told that I'm intimidating and I'm too strong. And like, my faith is too big for guys in the church because I am a female in leadership in the church. Um, and so that's really hard if I'm honest. Wow. Also, I, I think we should use the word damsel more. That's fun. That's, that's a fun thing. I don't know what the actual de definition of that is, but um, was the first part the hardest, the hardest thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'd actually, uh, I'd actually agree with the, the same thing as far as meeting people. Um, Cause especially, I mean, the COVID just amplifies that to a whole nother level. Uh, Cause like more, I'm more open than, than anything, but like, as far as like the ministries where I would meet people, my age, college ministries, young adult, that, that stuff is all shut down. So I guess it is like online is just, is the thing, but it's also like, and again, with the Disney mindset, that doesn't sound like the most romantic thing to us, like meeting someone online. We're like, no, I want to be at this coffee shop and we walk in and our eyes meet and they just walk up to me. So it's like, okay, you kind of have to submit the Hollywood meetup kind of thing of like, it doesn't have to be this crazy thing. Like you can just, yeah, seek out in that way. Um, so I do think that's one of the hardest things. Then the, the, oh, like something that I like about it in some way, uh, I would have to say it'd have to be the freedom kind of thing. And I think Paul in the, in the first Corinthians, I think seven, there's a part where he says a married person has, I don't know if it's, I think a married person's interests are divided uh, mm -hmm. because there's your, your concern for that other person. And so it is just this added relationship, which is a beautiful thing. But it is another area of like, hey, it's my life, but also I need to think about everything 
through the funnel of how is it impacting this other person. But the freedom that I have to do really anything is like, is pretty crazy. And I'm kind of, I'm enjoying it right now, as far as with the, the YouTube stuff and all the, all the things I get to read. And like, I could, I could move to LA, like if I wanted to, and I don't really have to think about how that impacts like other people. So the stuff like that, that gets me excited. Um, so I, I am trying to enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know that I could have moved to Chicago um, if I would have been in a relationship. So I'm with you on that. Okay, Dax, because I have you here, I'm very curious. Um, there's all sorts of statistics tell us that there are more females in the church than guys. So what is it like to be a man in the church who is in leadership and just like you you are put on platforms, um, literally, but then also you have created your own platform. Um, and so you've like, kind of put, like you are in the spotlight, not just like the statistics of there's less guys. And so it's in your favor, but also now you're a guy in the spotlight. What is that like? Definitely. So Dax, what's your problem? Is that the, Oh gosh, no, no, no. I'm like, more like, Oh my gosh. Part of that sounds fun. And then also part of that sounds like definitely horrible. No, you put that great. That's a great question. I think that there's a, so as far as the statistic, I didn't necessarily know that, but it doesn't totally surprise me. Um, but I do think as far as um, being some sort of like leader and it was like for, I think like a year and a half, I was, I was consistently on stage in, in a, in a large college ministry, which to me would just communicate like, yeah, I, a lot of people know me. And I would think that there's a lot of, yeah, some sort of like opportunity for being in, in a, in a sort of spotlight. Uh, but it also kind of made it, I guess there is the other side of like, I feel like people think that I'm, I guess like a bigger deal because I'm on stage or in the spotlight. Um, and then also the, the other thing is more of an insecurity thing, like on YouTube or those platforms, I don't necessarily feel like those are attractive. Like, I feel like if anything, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I feel like it's so like vulnerable and and uh, I don't know, more of like a difficult thing. Like, I feel like if I had like 100,000 subscribers, then that would be a different story. Um, but I don't know, a part of me has been more like, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't feel like that's a super attractive thing in some sense. Um, so I could be wrong about that. But yeah, also, so the last thing I would say, I'd be curious to hear what, what you'd feel. But I feel like the closer I've gotten to Jesus, the less options there are because I feel like there's less people that I would be equally yoked with. And that could be a good thing of like, so when I meet that person, I know, but it also could be a bad thing of, I don't feel like I'd be equally yoked with a lot of people. So I, Dre, I'd be curious to hear what you said about that, but. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I, thank you for bringing that because that is such a lie, but also a truth. Like it's a tension to be managed. Um, like I say, it's a lie because there's scarcity mindset that can go in and say like, you're screwed basically. Um, but Kurt Harlow, who we all know and who's been all of our pastor, I remember him saying um, in an internship setting, um, like look around, like because you've chosen to take this step, you've just limited your pool. And so the likelihood of someone else being at the same spot as you is probably more likely to be in this room. Um, but I will say as a female, um, that is something I'm talking to my single female friends all the time about, because we have this twisted image of what it looks like to like what the strong leader guy looks like. 
Um, and so that is also another part of that tension. Um, but all of that is like not accounting for God. Like, I do think, yes, truth is you are consistently making the pool smaller and smaller, like the deeper you're choosing to get in your faith and submit and consecrate yourself. Um, but also I think that that also narrows it in a really cool way where it's like, no, it's gonna be pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay. I want to, Oh, Steph, did you have something? I was just going to say Dax, your comment about your YouTube videos. Um, we like to believe that being fearlessly authentic is actually the most attractive thing. So I, and I think that that's actually something our generation and maybe even Gen Z, whatever, both Gen Z and millennials are really passionate about like just being real. And so even circling back to the beginning and your, your pictures that you were talking about on your profile, I love that because just like you said, it's like, it'll probably weed out the right, the wrong people. So you get the right people in, right? So you get, let's just lay it all on the table and not mess with the pretend, you know, oh yeah, this is, I need to be a proper version of myself. Like just lay it all out. And I think that's actually the best step in dating makes it faster. I think. Um, okay. Question for both of you is having been in the church for a while and, you know, we started by being like, it's love month. What are some of the misconceptions or the well-intended messages that you heard about sex, love, and dating that you are now like, hold up, wait a minute. This is, we need to talk about this. I think uh, one thing that comes to mind for me, which, so I'm, I'm leading um, in the ministry program I work for, I'm leading like a small group of guys that we're all like pretty much college age. Uh, but something that I am thinking more of like in love month, like obviously there's this push to, uh, to, to, to date, to, to find a wife essentially. Um, but I feel like, I think more so the time would be better spent helping people understand what dating is or what it looks like and kind of defining that more. So I don't know necessarily if that's a, if it's a misconception, but I feel like we all sort of have an idea of what dating and relationships look like coming out of high school. And so almost like kind of abandoning that and understanding what it, it should look like. Um, and I guess, and I guess the goal of it, but yeah, so I've been having a lot of those conversations lately of like, there's always this, like this girl and I, we like each other. We hang out all the time. We flirt with one another, oh, but we're not dating. And it's like, okay, what is what is dating then what is that oh well, we're not holding hands like is that is that the only thing that dating requires what is then what's dating? yeah so i don't know things like that yeah yeah um i think that i mean even on that note it's dating has evolved so much i mean i remember when my older sisters were in that season of high school where they're starting to like boys and want to go on dates and my parents were very passionate about courting instead of what we think of as dating and when it got to me being in that place I was like no one even knows what courting means like <laughs> that's not a thing and we're not doing that <laughs> um and so I think that that's the hardest part is that the church tries to fit everything about dating and relationships and marriage and having kids um, all into one lane of like, this is how it's supposed to look. If it doesn't look this way, it's probably not godly, which is just 
a lie. <laughs> um, and dating looks different for everyone. I mean, we know people who dated early in their middle school, high school years, and then got married and they're happily married and have kids. And it's, that wasn't my story. It's not our, your guys' stories, obviously. Like we're all kind of on different journeys and that I don't feel like the church really accepts that or knows how to handle it because we want to teach a healthy way to date in line with what scripture says. And we don't know how to do that with thinking through all the different ways of dating, I guess. Um, and I think goals again, like kind of coming back to that, what's the finish line. Um, we talk so much about marriage, like getting married, but when you're dating, you don't really get prepared for marriage, if that makes sense. Um, often I think in the church we have like, we'll have marriage series or, you know, marriage conferences. I love that our church actually says, Hey, single people come to the marriage conference. Um, because there, there's something for you to learn while you're dating or while you're preparing for this season. Um, and I think that that's just really valuable that a lot of times the church has grown in that, but it hasn't always been that way. So then when you get married, and like I said, you kind of have that freedom, like, all right, good. You did the thing. You got married, go on your own. And you're like, what do I do now? <laughs> so I think there's a lot to say for preparation and, and even then like, what if like call, Paul obviously wasn't called to be married. And then we, we totally neglect that those groups of people who may not be called to get married. Um, and how do we even treat them or bring them into the fold? Like, why do I need to only have married friends when I get married? That's not healthy. <laughs> I should have single friends and I should have friends with kids and friends who don't have kids and a mix. Cause that's the beauty of the diversity of the church and humanity. Yeah. Um, you just touched on something. So I have many, many married friends and I've had several tell me like, man, people are always checking up on you and holding you accountable when you're dating and engaged. And then you get married and no one's asking those questions anymore. Um, and so I think it's fascinating that the church is my opinion, my perspective, obsessed with giving all its illustrations about marriage and most sermons are geared toward married people and yet isn't actually doing the work of true discipleship of one-to-one -one or small group. Like, Hey, how is your marriage? Like it's just from the stage, which I also not putting that all in the church, like married people, you've got to put yourself in a space and a place. And you've also got to put yourself um, not only physically, but also like emotionally where you're saying, call me out, check on me. Um, so I think that's a very interesting thing. And then um, I'm going to get spicy here, uh, but my uh, love month misconception thing that I think is an issue. And part of this is because I work with students and I have for nearly a decade now um, is we tell them don't have sex until you get married. And again, that perpetuates this whole idea of the end goal is marriage. And so sex is a prize once you get married. But here's the interesting thing for Gen Z and millennials, we've watched the divorce rates skyrocket. And so we have seen like, why get married? And so this whole why of to not have sex 
actually goes out the window when you're saying this is what you, like when you get to have it. And so that is one thing that I'm still working through of going, man, youth pastors and senior pastors, like you need to start articulating a different narrative of like this like prize of marriage. Um, because yeah, like you said, Seth, not everyone is called to marriage. Um, but I think the way that we glorify sex, even in the church is a little false. And then, sorry, I'm, I just got to say this. Um, I think we talk more about girls clothing than we talk about how to, um, actually honor one another as males and females. So I'm just going to leave that right there. I was wondering Rich. if modesty would come up. Yeah. Well, can I ask, um, cause I've never, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about that recently. I'm trying to remember, is it known as purity culture? Would you use that term? Yep. Yeah, that's 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 something that is sort of new to me. The last few months I've watched some videos about it and, and been curious to hear about people's experiences like growing up in the church um, and I, I guess feeling like uh, a narrative preached to them isn't really biblical or has really scarred them in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, do you feel like you guys have experienced that in some way from the church family or I don't know, in other ways? 100%. Um, and in full confession, I've contributed. Like I've been a high school pastor who on summer camps and spring break missions trips has said, girls, you don't get to wear leggings and you don't get to wear tank tops. Meanwhile, the boys are walking around shirtless and that is harmful. Um, I, I've had many conversations with my male colleagues being like, hey, I'm visual and I'm a girl. So this is a struggle. Um, and if you're making me get up there and tell the girls, because it should be girl to girl and guy to guy, not to wear certain things, then you guys also need to say this to the guys. Um, because yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. Um, should I, I think wearing Crocs? So a um, your Crocs are super tempting, Dax. I mean, I'm surprised you're not noticing the line of girls behind you. When I'm going to buy more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all honesty, I mean, fearlessly authentic, like, and this is also part of my past as well, but I believe I have to fight this lie that I am dangerous for guys, that I um, have to guard myself when I am around men, single or married, because I'm this temptress, because that has been what has been taught to me um, through modesty talks um, and purity talks, so. Oh my gosh, you just touched on two things that are like, to totally could be other conversations, but I think- Yes, I definitely felt the same growing up. Um, I didn't get or have sex talks. Like I wasn't, I mean, maybe it's because I'm the youngest and then I went into public school. So they just kind of assumed like, all right, <laughs> she knows how we lead the household and then she hears enough at school. So we're just hoping she's, you know, staying the path. Um, but I think it's also because I'm a woman and there's this, stereotype that men are more sexual or physical than women and like I'm just putting that out there that that's false like it might be a little true in that like scientifically but because we have denied that physical sense that women have um and that like we were all created for sexual connection or even physical connection like then we're actually it actually causes more shame on women who who do feel that 
Um, so I think that is a really big thing. Um, I also think to that, cause you just touched on something really good. I know that there's also shame for some guys who are like, I am told that I'm supposed to be this like animal and I'm not. And so, yeah, I think we assume too much about people's sex drives. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can also blame Hollywood for that a little bit. So, um, the other thing you touched on Andrea, I think is so it's something that I'm learning, um, being married is that because we grew up with this, like, oh, I'm dangerous for men or like, oh, it's, it's this weird tension and I need to protect myself by protecting them and all this, all of that. When we get married and then we have guy friends because our friends get married and we hang out as couples, it can feel really weird because all of a sudden you're like, is it okay that I'm talking to this guy? Like I'm married, he's married. How, how much is too much? Like, and I've had to really recognize that fear in myself and break through that because we are friends and it's a healthy friendship. Um, but I grew up with that. Like you can't talk to guys, definitely don't text them and call them. Like you can't even have a guy's name. I mean, I had guys names saved in my phone as girls names because (laughs) I wasn't allowed to talk to guys on the phone. Um, so, I mean, and that was just that fear mongering that just builds up. And then you don't really get over that just because you found a spouse for yourself because healthy guy, girl friendships are really important. Um, and especially when you're in marriage, like, I feel like you can ignore them for a while. Like I have my girls, I'm dating this guy. I don't need guy friends. Like we're good. We kind of separate that. And then you get married and guy friends become natural again because you're hanging out with other couples. And so it's like, oh gosh, I forgot to how to act around guys that aren't my husband. <laughs> or you're 31 and single and you can't live your whole life with only female friends. Also, I think that that segregation and, you know, preview to the next few weeks, segregation <laughs> is not okay. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I do we, do we have any like closing thoughts, questions? Dax, anything that you just... Yeah, Dax, we'll give you the final word. There, I was just about to say, there's a million things that... that, (laughs) A million conversations that could have been spiraled out from that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I would just add, uh, you mentioned that there is also even the guy perspective, like counter that narrative. Um, But the word you use, temptress, that's a a good word of like, yeah, this girl, if I'm alone with a girl, she's going to jump on me and then start trying to kiss me or something. And then in the same way, I'm this... uh, I have no self-control and I'm going to lose it basically. Um, so it's, it's been difficult, I think, trying to get that out of my head and get used to and comfortable um, with female friendships and growing those. Luckily, I've had some good leaders that um, have pushed that and have pushed me in that area of like, hey, just talking to a girl at a coffee shop, like you guys hanging out, why does it have to be weird? It really, it really doesn't. Um, and that is not easy. And I feel like a lot of work has to be done in that because like when there is a narrative that's communicated so much, really the only way to counter it is to communicate, is to communicate just as much in the opposite manner. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of podcasts, a lot of sermons. And I feel like more people are are talking about that. So it's good. I mean, do you guys know the book beyond awkward side hugs? People have been mm-hmm. talking. No. Oh my goodness. Well, um, Devon, he was an old leader of mine. Yeah, him and and they had a group just read it. It's called Beyond Awkward Side Hugs. Um, And it's basically about that, like getting over this. I mean, you guys know awkward side hug. We we can't hug 
it's too intimate if we give <laughs> give it a normal hug. Um, but it is that that conversation in the church. So I've heard it's a great book. Haven't read it myself, but I recommend. Love it. We love uh, extra resources. Okay, clearly we could go on and on and on. Like this is a whole thing, which is why the church does do love months, is because this is there's so many conversations that do need to be had. Um, so I'm thinking we should probably have you back at some point, Dax, maybe to talk about other things because you're brilliant. Um, but we always end by, and by always, I mean, I don't know, this is our second month of this, uh, <laughs> by answering the question to know me in this here now moment. And because we're talking about love month, um, I want it to be specifically in your relational life, um, whatever that looks like. So Steph is a married person, Dax is a single person to know you here now in this moment. Um, and I can go first, uh, to know me in this here now moment is to know that, um, thanks to well-intended, um, purity culture that I wasn't raising. So I wasn't raising the church. I had adopted a lot of fear. I also realized, um, which is one of the things I'm talking about with my therapist, uh, that because of a couple of situations, I'm terrified of dating. Um, I totally picked up this whole, like, kiss dating goodbye and like you have to like know if you're gonna like hang out with people whatever so to know me in this here now moment is to know that my some of my very very good friends have challenged me to go on a certain number of dates um in a certain timeline and um it's quite the adventure guys um maybe I'll tell more stories at another time but yeah it's been very entertaining yeah I definitely am gonna expect some of those stories <laughs> maybe the next couple episodes <laughs> okay. um to know me in this year now moment is to know that um, I feel like Jared and I are just chilling. Like, I mean, we're kind of bored of just being at home all the time. Like we've door dashed way too much, um, but also can't stop because it's just so easy and great to have good food right at your door. Um, but we're, we're kind of ready for some adventure. So, and we are celebrating four years um, February 18th. So I'm um, looking to kind of get away for the weekend, but it's really difficult in COVID because we don't want to waste our money and just like end up in a hotel for four days. <laughs> so trying to find the right place, but um, yeah, we're just, we're just hanging out and, and having fun with what little things we can do here and there. So how, how do you word it? If, if you knew me in the here and now, okay. If you knew me in the here and now presently, I would say, uh, I would say I need the challenge of, of going on some dates, I think, but I'm actually wrestling with something right now to where I think I got to a point where I was so content in singleness that I actually wasn't appreciating the design that God had for marriage. And I was feeling a place of, uh, of complacency of like, I don't know, not really looking forward to it. It doesn't seem that big of a deal, but actually I feel like it was too much to where I'm like, no, like the gift of marriage, it is a gift. It's a beautiful thing. And I should be looking forward to it. And so I do think that I was at a level of almost like laziness in it of like, fine, I just don't like want it, care about it. But I think in that I was sort of de-appreciating the gift. Um, and so I'm kind of, yeah, trying to do the opposite of that. But. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it has been so fun having you on Dax. And um, we hope this conversation was insightful, funny, um, and maybe will help encourage you if you're on your dating journey to just get out there and see what God has for you. Um, maybe this love month. <laughs> so we're so excited for what's ahead. Um, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 
we're really excited for the upcoming conversations we're going to have to celebrate um, Black History Month. So stay tuned. <laughs>